TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The Cavaliers wrapping up a six-game homestand uh, tonight against the Brooklyn Nets and joining us now on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline to talk about the Cavs in a little wine and gold basketball. Uh, just wrapped up shoot-around Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. Uh, Chris, I hope your ho- holiday was good. Uh, how was Elliot's first Christmas? And more importantly, has he been fitted for his first set of clubs yet? <laughs> He does have a toy set of clubs at this point, John. I don't know that we're going to get him the bigger ones yet, but he likes bringing his putter and its driver around and smacking whatever ball or whatever looks like a ball around the house. So we're starting him early when it comes to the golf clubs, and, and he had a really, really good first Christmas, at least in terms of what he remembered of it. Um, he wasn't great when it came to opening the presents right away <laughs> because they made a lot of noise, and he was kind of freaked out by that. But once he saw that all of the goodies were underneath the wrapping paper and they were for him. Um, he had a really, really good time. So it was awesome to just have him around family yesterday. Awesome. Good to hear. Well, talking a little Cavs basketball with you, obviously the matchup with the Nets on tap. I want to go back a little bit, though, uh, because that game with the Raptors, I mean, I think largely probably an aberration, but the Raptors have beaten the Cavs three times so far this season. What is it about yeah. Toronto that gives them so much trouble? I think they're just physical. Right, like I, I think the way that the Cavs were talking about the Raptors and their physicality and how they foul so much, I think in some ways that game was almost over before it even started because the Cavs were like, oh, great, we got to play against this team right before the holiday. They're going to grab us. They're going to push us. They're going to pull us. And that's the thing, right? If you don't match that physicality, if you don't match that intensity from the very beginning, it's something that is going to bother you throughout the course of the game. And the Cavs aren't the first team that have talked about just how physical the Raptors are. You know, the 76ers have talked about it. Other players have talked about it as well. And I just think on a night-to-night basis, when Toronto is also making their three-pointers and their shots at the other end of their floor, um, stylistically, they're very, very weird. I mean, I tweeted it out the other night. It's like being guarded by an octopus. So there just aren't a lot of teams in the NBA that are that physical, that are that long, that are that athletic, that are that annoying to play against. And I think that's what makes um, Toronto what, what they are and what can be a difficult team if they have it going. The Cavs play, you know, one of the slowest paces in the NBA, if not the pl- slowest pace in the NBA. The I believe that was a question that you asked the other night. And <laughs> I understand that that's deliberate. Um, and I think a lot of people equate like, look, play fast, good, play slow, bad. Um, right. And, and the, you know, the Cavs record being what it is, but like how sustainable is this for the Cavs? I guess I'll ask it that way. I think it's sustainable from, from this standpoint, John. Um, when you're talking about other teams having to play against the Cavs, that half-court defense, that becomes problematic for them. They've got two seven-foot towers in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And the thing that we have seen um, from J.B. Bickerstaff over the last couple of years that even if it seems unconventional and even if it's going against the norm in the NBA, he's willing to do it, right? 
as long as it matches his personnel. He's going to play the guys that he thinks will give him the best chance. He's going to play the style that he thinks will give the team the best chance. And last year they played three bigs because they were so loaded at power forward that they had to find minutes for those guys. And it's the same theory when it comes to them playing fast versus playing slow. When you have two seven-foot towers and you're reliant on your defense and that's your calling card, that's your foundation, you're going to do everything that you can to protect that defense and, and make teams have to go against that defense. And that's the theory behind the Cavs playing as slow as they do. It puts a bind um, on their guys when it comes to half-court offense, and, and I think some of the guys would rather play a little bit faster on the offensive end of the floor. But the other thinking is J.B. Vickerstaff believes in Darius Garland, he believes in Donovan Mitchell, and he believes in some of his other offensive guys that – even if the shot clock is winding down, even if they are playing slow on the offensive end, they're good enough to get a good enough shot in a situation where maybe other teams won't. Cavs in uh, Brooklyn Nets coming at you from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse tonight. We're talking to Chris Fedor. It covers a team for Cleveland.com on the North Olsen Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, give us a shakedown from shoot-around. Uh, any significant developments? Has Ricky done much five-on-five work? Any status change for Dean Wade? So this is the problem, John. Um, When it comes to Ricky and his status in general, the Cavs have reached a point with this schedule where they're just not practicing. And they want to get Ricky five-on-five practice work before they put him in a game situation. Like, that's a big-time hurdle for him to clear. And he was working with the Cleveland Charge before they went to the Winter Showcase. But then the Charge went to the Winter Showcase, which was in Las Vegas. So the timing of of his return being imminent and the timing of the schedule and it being so clustered together makes it difficult. Um, I continue to believe that that his return is going to come very, very close to that West Coast trip that they have in January. Because one, that's about the one-year mark from when he actually had surgery. He injured his knee at the end of December, but he had surgery in in mid-January I'm told Um, and on top of that I think there's going to be enough opportunity within the schedule to get him some work Um, but right now with the way things have been going in the holiday um, they just haven't been able to do a lot of five-on-five full contact practice and that is a big big step for Ricky to get back out there it is a big step for the organization to see from Ricky before they're comfortable putting him out there. Sure, and uh, the reason I also asked about Dean Wade, um, you know, still battling a shoulder shoulder injury. um, Look, just curious about how he fits into the equation and the rotation for that number three position. We've talked ad nauseum, me specifically, about the lineups that they've rolled out there. Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert, now Lamar Stevens is getting his role. Um, And you touched on JB loving to play with that big lineup, and Dean kind of Mm -hmm. fits a little bit more along those lines. Um, is that a potential quote-unquote long-term solution, or is that an experiment he will probably run with? What does the future of that three-spot look like? John, there are multiple people inside the organization that believe Dean Wade should be the starting small forward. Um, But I think the way that JB has approached it the whole time is the same way that he's going to continue to approach it. It's what does the team need, or what does he believe the team needs at that given moment? 
You know, he went with Karis LeVert as the starter at the beginning of the season because Karis earned it. Quite frankly, he was the best option that they had based on the way that he played. And if it was truly a competition in training camp and during the preseason, you had to reward the guy who performed the best. And that was Karis LeVert. And at the time that they changed out LeVert and they went with Lamar Stevens, the Cavs were in a free fall defensively. They had completely lost themselves. Um, And they had lost that game to Milwaukee, and they left Milwaukee, and they were down on themselves, and they were doing some soul-searching, and they were having these detailed conversations, and they had a lengthy meeting in the locker room. And it was all about accountability, and it was all about getting back to the defensive end of the floor. That pointed to Lamar Stevens, right? Um, and, And he's been fine for the Cavs. He has brought the things that they needed him to bring, But I just think Dean Wade brings enough defense where you don't lose that much defensively from him. He can guard his own position. He can bring the physicality. He's not going to be as vocal as Lamar. He's not going to be as tough guy as Lamar. But he's still a good enough defender. And on the other side, he's a more accomplished offensive player. And the things that he brings to the offensive starting lineup in terms of three-point shooting, in terms of floor spacing, I just think that makes it easier on the other guys offensively. He's, to me, the best blend of all the options that they have internally. He's the best offense-defense blend that they have to play that spot. But in saying all of that, I think everybody inside the organization would say that the long-term answer to that problem is not currently on the roster. Um, That gets into a different problem, though, because they don't have a ton (laughs) of trade assets. And there aren't many of those kinds of guys that that hit the market, whether it's in free agency or via trade. Chris, we appreciate your time. We will uh, let you go. We are going to be getting pinched here by head coach Kevin Stefanski in just a few minutes. But thanks for taking some time to chat with us after shoot-around. We'll see you at the arena tonight. Cavs and Nets coming at you from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Appreciate your time, my friend. We'll connect again soon. You got it, John. Anytime, buddy. All right, take care. Chris Fedor coming at you on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.